Welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We've got to recap the spring game, Robbie, and in fact, we've got quite a few things that have been happening in and around the program. Why don't you give us a cheers and uh, get us kicked off here? Once again, as I always seem to do, uh, cut right to our uh, probably most positive of, of uh, announcements, which would be the NFL Draft, and just a huge congratulations I will say a lot more about it later, but to Terrell and Tremaine and just the overall Hokie program and what happened in the draft after, especially after last year, which seemed to be a little bit of a down year for the Hokies overall. So why don't we just leave it at that? A huge congratulations to the Edmund brothers and everybody else that uh, got drafted or were undrafted free agents or are heading to mini camps. So congrats to all of them. Cheers. we will tackle the draft here in a minute Uh, but first let's do our news and notes and probably the day after we recorded last time the new uniforms were released for the upcoming football season and like any other time there's a helmet or uniform released it tends to uh, have people reacting strongly one way or the other and a lot of people were saying they didn't like these uniforms, but I would say it was generally positive. What were your thoughts on the uniforms? I thought your initial take, which I always love some of your overreactions uh, immediately on Twitter. <laughs> they always crack me up because they're kind of what I'm thinking, but I never just put them out there because I know I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to have second thoughts later. And uh, the the neck, the, the stripe around the neck is getting larger and larger to the point where I am wondering if that's going to be the whole uniform pretty soon. It, it's yeah. Uh, the, the collar itself. Yeah. It just yes. keeps expanding. <laughs> yeah. It's getting, that was, that made me laugh and I don't care that much. It's getting a little bit on the large side. I would say at this point, I never really liked it that much in general. Uh, I, I think it, it's a little distracting if that makes sense. I, and I'm not a stickler for these types of things, but it's a it's a little distracting. And now when it's starting to get this large, it's really kind of taking away from the rest of the jersey, if that makes sense. Um, no, I hear you. And and the only other distinguishable thing about them uh, really is the shoulder diagonal stripes as opposed to the straight stripes we've always had. And it's really just a singular stripe and the surrounding area is supposed to be the bordering stripes. It's a little bit hard to explain, but anyone who sees it knows what I'm talking about. It's not that much different from the old uniforms, but at the same time, there is a distinct um, look to it, which on the mannequins didn't look that great to me. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a little silly, especially with the expanding collars you're talking about. Uh, But on Devin Ford, who posed in the uniform, I thought it looked pretty good. (laughs) You know what else looked good is uh, Clark did his his design off of it as well. Didn't he like put out a... Oh, Clark Ruland? Yeah. And it looked yeah. fantastic. And I yeah, was like, his, he does the uniform builder on his website. Yeah. And, and he, he did a good job with that. When, the interesting part was I loved it when I saw it there. And his, it, the funny part is he's trying to make it as close as possible to the actual reality of it. But when I saw his in the contrast, it actually, I thought looked um, pretty sweet. So now it, we could just do like anime uh, football. Then we'd be all set. Like, <laughs> You know, it's going to be interesting to see what they look like when 11 guys have them on the field. I think it will look pretty good and potentially pretty unique. 
I don't think it's the best jersey in the in the world. I think it kind of looks like the numbers are in like quotation marks because it's got those those stripes right on the edge. So it's like someone's doing the singular quotation mark around the number, but whatever. I think they'll look good on the field. Like I said, a, a real person in the uniform kind of looked okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought better than they, and a lot of people like them. So I'm all for it. I kind of wish we just were rocking the the singular color like we did with the orange uniforms last year. I thought those were the best looking orange uniforms we had. Generally, I don't like orange and these ones that they show with the two diagonal stripes, I thought were terrible in the orange, but that's just me. Well, I mean, everybody's hoping for the full cream skull look that uh, people have been gunning for for a long time. I don't know if they're hoping for it. Yeah, that's been that's been the biggest joke uh, on any message board you can find that's related to the Hokies is going full cream skull is uh, not going like to go over old well. school Buccaneers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so in a little bit of bad news, uh, defensive tackle Jabril Glaze has left the program. And Glaze, when he was recruited, he was a late addition a couple years ago to the recruiting class. And obviously, defensive tackle is not the deepest of positions for us. Uh, so it's a, it hurts a little bit, but I hadn't heard anything about him, like making any moves. So I don't know how much this will really impact us. Any depth that we're losing at that position isn't great for the future, is how I'd characterize it. But I would agree with you. I hadn't heard anything about him you know, stopping into the too deep or anything along those lines. So uh, in terms of players that could be leaving, I think it is probably the least detrimental to the program. However, we need depth for the future. So never a positive sign losing somebody, but I hope he ends up somewhere good and, um, you know, can can find a good spot to, to, to play for. Uh, I wanted to give a thanks to Manny Landron, uh, a listener of the podcast who went to the spring game and – sent you two signed programs from the game well us he just had my address so he sent it to us we got uh he got one program uh signed by farley and one by mahota so uh you'll be getting one of those two depending i think i'm gonna hold out and see what happens this season and then give you whoever doesn't play as well (laughs) yeah uh, that's fair whoever you think has a better uh, nfl prospects in the future exactly no but it it was funny i Manny's obviously listened to us for a long time. He's been awesome. He sent us beer in the past, and um, I actually tweeted out that we weren't going to put out any more podcasts unless anybody got us one of those posters. You saw the poster that? Yeah, I was yeah, trying. yeah. Um, we didn't get a poster, so you all are lucky that we're uh, doing this podcast. And the only reason that we're doing it is because Manny sent us programs that were signed instead. So. Uh, in the future, just snag a couple of those, and not Manny. He's he's doing uh, God's work uh, for us. But if anybody else is out there, snag a couple of those like those posters for us, and uh, you can have a couple of uh, koozies in return. We got plenty of those to give out to people. I also saw on Twitter that Cole Beck was at the Penn Relays with the Blacksburg High School track team. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, uh, what he, he ran in a 10, whatever, some ridiculous time, the yeah, fourth fastest well, in Virginia. Yeah. I saw at the Penn relays, Blacksburg won the four by 100 relay and he was the anchor on that team. Um, but then a couple days later, I think there was something called the Blacksburg invitational or something. And that's where he ran a ten three seven in the hundred meters, which is ridiculous. And uh, he also had a great time for the 200 meter. I can't remember what it is right now, 21 something. But the 100 meter time, 
he tweeted was the fourth fastest time in Virginia history. <laughs> yeah, and I think oh, now I'm going to blank out because you're you're bringing this up on the fly. But it was faster than um, uh, who was it? It was a wide receiver, I think, for the Vikings. Uh, it, it was something ridiculous, and I mean. That kid has some wheels, and if you saw the clip of when, in, even in the relay, when he burned, uh, you know, the rest of the teams right at the end, uh, that I'm I'm getting a little excited at him in the return game, and he's got some wheels on him. Yeah, I mean, speed kills, man. So whether it's kick returns, punt returns, maybe some out of the backfield passes or whatever, I hope Fuente figures out a way to use that speed. You know, that's a thing that he loves. So. That's exciting to see such a talented guy coming to Tech next year. And I think that's it for the news and notes. Did you have anything else, or do you want to jump into our uh, main topics here? No, uh, I think that was it. But I think it might have been Percy Harvin that he was faster. I oh, think that, that would make sense. I think that was what it... And I'm going to give credit to whoever sent out the tweet because they deserve it. It was one of the other news agents. You know, Percy Harvin was a Virginia kid and went to Florida. And then yeah. Somebody sent out that tweet. So send a scathing email to me or something along those lines. But um, I'm taking zero credit for that. Somebody else pulled that. And it, it, he was faster than I think it was Percy Harvin. And it, he did play for me. That's pretty amazing. All right, so we're going to kind of work backwards from what's been happening lately. The spring game was obviously two weeks ago now, and a lot's been going on. We had the NFL draft, and we also had some bad news about a coach who is no longer with the program, and that's safety's coach Galen Scott, who was also the co-defensive coordinator. And if you'll remember, that title was given to him not that long ago. I want to say it was over the winter at some point. We talked about it on here and how – Maybe that meant that he'd be the successor to Bud Foster one day. But Coach Scott, as it was initially reported by a friend of the podcast, Mike McDaniel, he was funding an extramarital affair with VT Athletics Revenue. That's how Mike's tweet read, and he was uh, working with ESPN Blacksburg and College Football Saturday. And that proved to be true, but... um, I don't know. Do you want to take it away from me? It's, it's, it's You're making me take that away? All right. I don't, um, I don't really know how to uh, word that better, but yeah. Um, he, I haven't talked to, to Mike about it, and we can get Mike on it at some point. That's not a problem to kind of hash out what the tweet was supposed to mean or did mean. Um, in my interpretation, how about that, of what that means, is he was on trips that were funded by Virginia Tech, and during those trips, something was happening on the side. You, you see what I mean? Right. Like that, and that's initially that's, what I. Th- as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, he was, you know, having an affair on a recruiting trip. That's got to be what that is. So my assumption is that's what it, it was. It, it meant, and I, I don't want to assume anything about his tweet or what actually happened or anything else. But fact is, is that he. Well, I think the fact is, and there's been so many stories that I don't know. He was on recruiting trips for some of the times of that he was having affairs outside. So if you want to say that that's, you know, funded by Virginia tech or not, otherwise I really don't, I don't really care that much. Uh, I don't know if you care that much. The, The point being that it's not a good look for the program to be doing that stuff on recruiting trips. Um, especially with young student athletes. And there's a lot of problems with, you know, um, 
you know, you know, teaching people to write lessons about how they're going to grow up. A program of Virginia Tech that tries to teach people um, life means more than just sports, and um, that uh, has been kind of a, a resounding theme along a re- lot of coaches and assistant coaches. So it just doesn't look good. Um, no, I don't really care what his personal life is about, what he does, other than. Um, if it overlaps with Virginia Tech sports, I wish him and his family the best in getting back on the right track and whatever's best for all of them. But no, yeah, I don't really think you should be associated with the program. And that's not crass or crude or any of the other things. It's just go figure out your own shit. And it was made ugly because a, a user by the name of Diggy1973 was tweeting at anyone and everyone associated with Virginia Tech football and saying, you know, this coach is having an affair with my wife on these trips or whatever. And it it was ugly. And basically this Twitter account was created only to tweet this at every, like I'm tell, I'm telling everyone like Tyrod Taylor, Hokey Football, Coach Fuente, everyone was getting these tweets. It's like you can go on the account and look at it. I don't know if it's been deleted by now. But I'm not sure Scott would have resigned, which was essentially let go, um, without that those tweets. I, I don't know if, if it wasn't brought to such public light in that way, if he would have had to resign. But they did. It happened. The, the husband of that woman um, was very angry and sent all those tweets, and it it led to Coach Scott getting let go. Uh, we don't have to go into it too much further. It's kind of wild. The whole thing is ugly and, um, you know, not something we want to associate with the program, like you said. And w- yes, it's his personal life. But like you said, if it overlaps with how it affects your job and now there's this whole was he using funds to do it, which is just a little bit over the top, um, uh, you know, it, it's he wasn't hopefully funding the relationship with Virginia Tech's athletic Monday money. He was just maybe hooking up with this woman on the road, but yeah, yeah, I I just hope it doesn't lead to anything else, like any kind of penalties to Virginia Tech. I don't think that it will. And people have the debate whether it was even a fireable offense, but um, you were telling me earlier, you were looking into it and morality clauses are a part of many contracts and, yeah, and, I, I don't know what was in his contract, what isn't. It's at-will employment in a Virginia, I believe it's an at-will state, um, which, you know, you can't fire for discrimination or things like that. There's a lot of things you cannot fire people for, but if your boss wakes up in a bad mood, he can technically, you know, with, the, you know, not doing anything bad, can fire you. And, you know, if you, there's, there is a, a line there that at a certain point, and a lot of coaches at least from what i've researched i'd love to see if we have other input and there's probably a few lawyers that you know listen to the podcast a lot of coaches it seems like are starting to get introduced to a morality clause in there which is you know related to alcohol drugs you know infidelity those types of things that are meant to protect the program i don't know whether it was in his contract or not i just know that he resigned um that information is out there and you know hope his him and his family you know um you know the best for them moving forward but um you know the program needs to also move forward at the end of the day yes it's it's unfortunate for his family and i you know we're gonna move on scott was absolutely fuente's boy though which is another part of this story just as our football goes at at virginia tech 
because he was the co-defensive coordinator. He had known Fuente since their Illinois State days, and he introduced Fuente to Fuente's wife way back in the day. I mean, these guys are close, and I'm sure you know that conversation was not comfortable for Fuente to have to basically say, we're going to have to let you go unless you resign. As far as how he, you know, how we move on, how the plan for who's going to replace Bud eventually goes, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Bud was probably going to work another three to five years anyway, maybe longer. Yeah, he's not that not that old, so uh, who knows? It might not have have changed what ultimately would have happened anyway. But it's interesting from that perspective as well. It it kind of stinks for Bud because. Um... I th- I think you know, given the announcement, the co-defensive you know coordinator announcement, I do think that he was probably one of you know where where Fuente was looking to have the, his guy kind of move up. Uh, Bud is you know he, he can't stay at Virginia Tech forever. I mean the the guy has poured his life and soul into the program, and at a certain point he's going to have to move on from the program, whether that's retirement or or whatever he, he wants to do. And um, he, he deserves to be able to do that. So it, it kind of stinks for him because he's so, you know, invested in the Virginia tech program. I feel like he, it just tacked on a few more years for him. Uh, I feel like, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, it, that it could potentially. Yeah. And you know, that's, or if he were to jump ship and go to a, a maybe bigger time program to be their DC in the next two years, then we are left to, you know, not have a replacement. We'll have yep. to go go out and get one. And potentially um, that could work out well or it could be a hindrance. You know, who knows? Yeah. For the time being, Justin Hamilton, a former DB and running back for Virginia Tech, has been promoted uh, on an interim basis to take over Scott's duties, coaching the safeties and the whips. And that's probably going to stay like that for – a little while. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what, if there will be a, a new coach hired or not. But uh, I don't I know we'll if see. the program knows. It's right now. It's uh, yeah. Uh, I yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love the I love the announcement that they made. That's the only thing that really pissed me off was the announcement it had like uh, Lane Stadium on it, and it was like announcing coaching changes. That was and so. Then it was like, yeah, Galen Scott's gonna also uh, is resigning, like as like the fifteenth paragraph in the announcement. It's like uh, so tone deaf, like that. What? That's not at all what's happening here. It's like Fuente shuffles the coaching deck, you know, and said like, no, not at all. Like, and now we're gonna post this pretty picture of Lane Stadium with the article. I was so pissed about that. That that's that kind of stuff fires me. Like everybody, every. A lot of programs have problems like these and stuff like that. It, I always find if you want to hide it, that's fine, but then you're going to get called out. Sometimes just kind of coming out and being honest with the situation you're dealing with is the best way to deal with these things. So um, we it seemed like the program was partially trying to do that, and our Twitter feed was sabotaging that effort. <laughs> well, the only good thing about that was it came on the heels of of really fantastic Virginia Tech news because the Galen Scott thing came out, what, Friday, Saturday? And on Thursday night, the NFL draft was actually like a huge home run for Virginia Tech's program. We had Tremaine Edmonds going number 16 overall to the Bills, and a lot of people predicted Tremaine to be going in the top 15, the top round of the draft. 
And then Terrell, his brother, also ended up going in the first round at number 28 to the Steelers. And that was definitely shocking. Leading up to the draft, I think we were hearing some buzz that Terrell could go at the tail end of the first round. But me personally, I never thought it was going to actually happen. Yeah, 100% agree. I think, um, yeah, diving into it um, and starting, let's start from the top. So Tremaine, obviously, he deserves a ton of accolades. He picked up a ton of steam during um, the offseason in terms of, um, one, just being a smart player, his athleticism, his youth, and what he could develop into uh, his smarts, his sideline to sideline mobility, the fact that he can play different positions, that people were co- comfortable with him in coverage, uh, also playing at the line, also playing, um, you know, the rush in a lot of instances. They were really um, excited about all those things going into the draft. I think most people thought that he was going to be a top 10 pick. I heard as early as today, there was somebody was putting out that they thought that he could have been as high as the fourth uh, off the board. Regardless of any of that, 16th off the board, he fell a little bit, got us a little bit nervous. Buffalo makes the jump from 22 to 16 to get him. He would not have been available at 22. I think it was a smart move for them and what they need uh, defensively. Um, And it was exciting to see them make the trade and then see Tremaine come off the board. And then it was even more exciting. I had it on mute because night one is only first round. So I just put it on mute. I kind of looked names come off the board. I looked up and Tremaine was up on the stage again, except it wasn't Tremaine. It was Terrell and I couldn't figure (laughs) out what was going on. So luckily, thank goodness for DVR. I rewound, took it off mute and uh, realized that uh, Terrell got picked up uh, as well um, by the Steelers. I thought about the next day. Mike Tomlin was one of the very few, if not the only NFL head coach that came to VT's pro day. And it was made very public because VT like did the picture and VT football put out the tweet like they are always doing. And, you know, Mike Tomlin out on campus checking out our, you know, guys eligible for the draft. And lo and behold, Mike Tomlin takes Terrell Edmonds at number 28. And maybe that's what that buzz was coming from of hearing, you know, he might go in the late first round uh, because maybe the Steelers GM or whatever sources these people have was saying, like, we love that Terrell Edmonds kid. And, the fact that wasn't his parents like at the pro day and everything. And I'm sure Tomlin and Farrell were talking and listen, Terrell Edmonds, if he does not have a brother named Tremaine and a father named Farrell, he's not going at number 28. He's not going at number 28 on his playmaking merits alone. In my personal opinion, if this is, I don't know, Khalil Ladler a year later with the same tape, He's not going at that position. It's because they see the bloodline. They know like his father's a proven NFL player. Trey's in the NFL. Tremaine, athletic beast that just went in the first round as well. I really feel like that played just as much of part as Terrell's play over the years. I agree with that. I I, I wonder, um, especially in Pittsburgh and what he's going to have around him. What they think they you know they can you know help him develop into even beyond what he's done at Virginia Tech. But I mean that that's right. Yeah, we've I don't also, want to sell his career short. Yeah, he but had we've also an seen an amazing that. year two years ago and battled injuries this past year. I'm just saying with our track record in the draft, 
and the way guys just drop and drop and to see him like shoot out of nowhere and go in the first round is very surprising. I think when you look at Virginia Tech, there is, um, and this this is comes back to my personal just beef with what ended up happening with Kendall Fuller was you saw a like a bloodline of really smart good kids that you know made it to the NFL and understood what they needed to do to continue developing and it it it's happened. I mean. <laughs> Even as, as soon as this year, you you look at Kendall and he dropped to the third round and yeah, and, that kind of kills my argument. <laughs> no, but no, but they, that, exactly. But that's my point. Is I think yeah. I think programs are learning that um, you know these families that come through Virginia Tech and they're close knit and they have um, extremely good athleticism, really smart kids, want to learn how to play football better, want to and are just really kind of um, good kids. I mean, that that's what always stuck out to me during this whole draft process was the number of people that came out and said, Tremaine and, and Terrell, every time I met them, they were so nice. They were so like having that in these days in, in, in NFL and college for that matter in programs that you're dealing with so much bullshit, right? Like just so much extracurricular, like just bad yeah. things that are happening on the outside. That's worth like a little bit to me if I'm drafting people. Yeah, I love the, the you know, Josh, it's like there's players that you can't keep on the field because they're smoking marijuana all the time. And it's like, well, that was a great draft pick, but we actually can't play them. You know what I mean? And and if you can, that has to be worth something. And if it's not, then what's the point, right? Like if you can yeah. just, if you can be a, an asshole or get in trouble and then have it, you know, not impact your draft stock, and you look at some of these guys, and I'm not dis- I'm not pontificating about whether either of these guys are going to have problems down the future. I'm just saying that everything that I've ever heard about them has been positive, and you know that it's nice to see that that actually means something because it was brought up a number of times during the aftermath of the draft, during the draft, and then previewing the draft that you know they seem like good kids. That's it. Yeah, and I mean the fa- the personality factor and how a guy's wired is. It's huge for where they take these guys in the draft. And so if his family and just being an all-football guy, you know, like these three brothers, they are football players. Like that's what they are. I'm not trying to sell any of their other qualities short, but like they love football. They're going to concentrate on football. They're not going to screw up too much off the field, if at all. And they're just going to hammer away and have a long career. And they can see that because of the family. So I wasn't trying to say he was drafted just based on that, but they see the town on the field. Then they see Farrell and his mom, a loving family all together at pro day and Tomlin's from Virginia and they're talking and it just makes so much sense. We're saying the same thing because my, yeah. my end point I know, to that I whole know. Kendall situation was Kendall graded out as one of the top defensive backs in the NFL this year. And look, and that's why it pissed me off so much when he went so late. And I was like, this guy's going to be a stud in the NFL. Like, not only he's just, he he knows football. He's he's born, he, he breathes it every single day. Yeah. And lo and behold, what, two years later, he grades out as one of the top defensive backs in the NFL. And it makes that whole night all the more perplexing or the couple nights of why he went so late because he was legit first round talent. And now he's the best slot corner in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. So let's move on to the other guys that got drafted. We had 
Tim Settle and Wyatt Teller going a couple days later in the fifth round. They went within three picks of each other. We had it was 163, Tim Settle to the Redskins, and then 166, Wyatt Teller to the Bills. Yet again, getting another hokey. Uh I'm happy for Tim. He you know he's a Virginia guy, gets to go and play for the Redskins, which I'm sure maybe maybe he's not a Redskins fan, but at least it's local and family can go to games and stuff. That's cool. Uh, and Teller with the Bills. I, are we looking at the next Richie Incognito here? <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's what some people are comparing. Hopefully, not the to. bullying side. Yeah, just the longevity of his career. Can we just get rid of all the off the field BS and just talk about? I hope he's like that on the field. I mean, Incognito was he's. You say whatever you want about off the field. Forget all that. He's he was talented on the field. So that would be mm-hmm. uh, that he would be badass. that would be great. But. Um, Going to the Bills, they need that on the offensive line. I mean, their offensive line is a abysmal. It got decimated. Yeah, yeah they lost three. They guys, took I every think. well, and they you know their their coaching staff didn't exactly help out Tyrod Taylor, and you know that's probably a homer statement, but also pretty true, I think, um, in terms of what they did there. And then saddle on the Redskins. Um, it was funny because when Tremaine was coming up, we you and I were I think chatting back and forth, and we we're like, oh man, could the Redskins pick him up? And I was like, man, the Redskins are gotten pretty heavy on uh on virginia tech players over the years um and uh it, they didn't end up taking Edmonds, but you know then they end up with uh with settle which i think that he i think he could be a starter in in washington for them pretty quickly yeah he could the interesting thing about the redskins is i'm pretty sure they run a three four which clearly settle is a big boy and if you want him to be your Vince Wilfork <laughs> nose tackle in the middle, uh, he could potentially do that. I think even people around Tech wanted maybe Bud to do some 3-4 with Tim doing that. Uh, he thrived in our 4-3. And so I find that interesting. I don't think it'll inhibit his career one way or the other. I just think it's interesting that he might be that big nose tackle in a three, four for the Redskins. Yeah. And it'll depend. I mean, his weight we know can fluctuate. I mean, he can be, he can, he can fuck, he can go up another 30 pounds if he needs to, or, you know, <laughs> that's, that's where that he probably came, wouldn't be wise. <laughs> that, yeah. That's, that's where he came in at. If he needs to be a solid, well, obviously there needs to be muscle involved, not just, you know, right, right, right. but, uh, he can carry a little bit more. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a good place for him to, to end up. And then, uh, Greg Stroman, um, also going to the skins, also going to the skins and <laughs> seventh round, which I mean, with Tori in there, I think we also chatted about this. Not surprising that, um, Torian Greg, uh, who was at Virginia tech DB, uh, well, player was in the defensive back, then coach, you know, went through and then down to Florida. Um, he went Florida to, for a couple years and then just back year, up to yeah. Washington and then you know he picks up Strowman, who becomes the who was the second to last player off the board. Which uh, what's the last player called? I forget every year. Mister Irrelevant. Yeah, he was almost Mister Irrelevant. I thought yeah, I thought Strowman just was going to go undrafted. I, I and I was surprised by that. I know that he wasn't super high on a lot of draft boards, but his playmaking ability just can't be denied. And when you factor in the kick returns as well, which I hopefully he'll get a shot at doing that for the Redskins. It makes it an easier pick to take because you can utilize them in multiple ways. Stroman will basically take over Kendall's position because Kendall got traded to the Chiefs 
And I would imagine that Stroman's going to be a slot based on his size. I, he, he could play on the outside. I really don't know, uh, especially if he, you know, bulks up a little bit more or whatever. But I'm happy for, for Greg. We had five guys drafted. It was the most since 2010. We only had four last year and three in the years in between 2010 and 2017. So it was a, a good number for the Hokies. And I did also see in the last five years, Tech has had the 11th most students drafted uh, into the NFL. So if you think about all the programs in college football, the Georgias, the LSUs, and Alabama, and whoever, we're 11th on that list in the last five years of draft picks. That's that's pretty good. And you would almost think that would mean we should be consistently finishing around the 10 to 15 mark in the polls, and that hasn't been happening. No, it has has not. But uh, I... It speaks to development, I think, in a lot of a lot of respect. Because if if you look at our um, recruiting, it's not at that level. I mean, we're we're much higher than True. that. So uh, I've always so that been, yeah definitely speaks to our development. Yeah, I've always been one that has called Virginia Tech for better, probably worse than because there's a lot of people out there that um, are really really high on what you're recruiting numbers are and recruiting leads to championship. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff, which I totally understand. I've always been one that said that I think Virginia tech, um, above a lot of programs, uh, develops much, much better and turns what might be, um, and I don't want to, they would only come out wrong to say, but lower star talent evaluated by those places into, um, what ends up being higher star talent for the NFL and, and what can be their prospects after they leave Virginia Tech. If I didn't already say it, the Edmonds brothers going in the first round, first set of brothers to be taken in the first round of the same NFL draft in the history of the NFL draft, which is very, very cool and an awesome selling point for our recruiting going forward. As for the other guys who weren't drafted, uh, the, one, the most surprising one to me, I think, was Cam Phillips. You could argue maybe Faison uh, because of how many corners get drafted uh, and his size is really good. And Cam, we weren't really sure if he was going to be taken. But I, I'm still more surprised by Cam because he's just made so many plays for us and is such a good route runner and can make you miss so well once he gets the ball in his hands. But I think we're being trolled by the Bills because they picked up Cam Phillips. <laughs> they, they get rid of Tyrod Taylor, and now they took th- three of our best players from last year in this draft and right after the draft. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the Phillips. I I had a I had a feeling what would happen with Phillips ended up actually playing out, and wide receiver at Virginia Tech is going to take a long time for us to develop if that makes sense. A good portion of the draft is also perception, right? If there are players that came out of Virginia Tech in this draft, and I guarantee they did, you know, would they say 12 people got drafted out of Alabama? I guarantee that we probably, I don't know, two of our players will end up being, you know, two or three of our players will end up being better than, you know, a lot of those players that got drafted, but it's Alabama. And that's going to happen. Ohio State's going to drag, you know, get a lot of draft picks. That's going to happen. Um, Virginia Tech and wide receiver is a position that we, as a program, are going to um, need to improve over a long term or a long 
period of time for to see people get picked up earlier on in the draft. Yeah, it, it you're right. It it builds on itself. And if we had been producing wide receivers for a while, maybe Cam would have gone higher. Like I said, like I said with Terrell, even if he had the same tape, he might have gone higher just based on reputation. But uh, Faison ended up with the Chargers. Motupuaka ended up with the Jaguars. Eric Gallo uh, ended up on my Eagles. <laughs> Your boys. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a, and he's a Philadelphia kid too. So he gets to go back and, I mean, it's basically a tryout. He's, I wouldn't think he's going to make the the roster of the Eagles. Maybe he'll get on the practice squad, but even that's going to be a long shot. But I'm you, happy he's getting a tryout. Do you get to try out this year, Mark Wahlberg style? Like you just get to go in, <laughs> you versus Gallo? I got to bulk up, man. Uh, maybe a few <laughs> more heavy IPAs. We're going to have to do a beer break right after this. But uh, the last guy I had was James Clark. Uh, he got a tryout with the Giants. He was only on tech for the one season uh, this year. Unfortunately, had some injury issues, but he was the Ohio maybe he'll let with the Giants right yeah ohio state uh, on that list of like the schools with the most draft picks over the last 5 years alabama was one they were 44 draft picks over 5 years that's just under 10 a year which is like insane and i think the second highest was 32 and i think that was florida state uh so i mean alabama's far out in front tech was like 15 or 16 over those five years and alabama was putting out 44 like it's just crazy the separation they have all right let's do a beer break before we move on to our spring recap robbie what are you drinking all right so i am drinking the chaotic neutral ipa from smart mouth brewing company this is out of norfolk virginia um I believe so. That's where it's it, at least it. That's where it's brewed and canned. Now that everybody's brewing and canning all over the place, I think that should be their home state. This can is awesome. I picked it. Um, the Stranger Things uh, three season three uh, trailer was out the other day. I'm kind of a huge nerd, and this has like a whole Dungeons and Dragons uh, theme to it. Uh, I don't know if you can see any of this, but it oh, is yeah. awesome. It's got a, the- the, the artwork the demogorgon on the front there. yes and then it's got um it's it's kind of fake because it doesn't have the huge like uh, 150 side die and all those kind of things uh i'm not a dungeon dragon guy but i'm a huge video game fan so um rpg video games are, are my style and once i saw it i was going with it and then it ended up being a really good ipa so um and it's a brewery i haven't had before so uh i like it i would do this it's seven and a half percent it's not too heavy uh, limited release. If you can find it, grab it. And I like it a lot. Nice. I heard the, uh, funniest thing the other day. Someone was telling me when they get blackout drunk, they call it going to the upside down. (laughs) 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 And it's so true. I've watched both seasons of stranger things. And it was one of my girlfriend's friends, uh, Kelly, she's a riot, and she was like, "Yeah, we call it going to the upside down when we black out." That's what happens sometimes. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, it can be scary. I am drinking Sam Seventy Six. You've probably seen the commercial for this. It's the new Sam Adams release, and I'm a Seventy Sixers fan. They're in the playoffs, so I have to admit this is a little bit of like a a Seventy Sixers purchase. It's called Sam Seventy Six, but it's pretty tasty. I I. I like a lot of Sam's beers. We've discussed before how they haven't exactly gotten their IPAs right, but 
the Boston Lager is just a great go-to beer. And the Sam 76 is supposed to be a mix between a lager and an ale. And so this, as it says on the side of the can, giving you a craft beer with the flavor of an ale and the refreshment and crisp finish of a lager. And it's pretty spot on. There is actually a little bit of fruitiness in here. It's very slight. Uh, but that just that little bit of fruitiness you sometimes get an IPA is in this. It's pretty good. 4.7% alcohol. I think they did a really good job with this. Sam 76. If you've seen the commercial, uh, it's a beautiful looking beer. It looks great in the glass. I would recommend it. I could say a lot of those, a lot of things about that. You went, they made gang signs commercial is probably the, uh, the rap quote that I'm going to use. You, you went, you went, you went commercial on the, the Sam Adams bringing it back. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I went full, like just mainstream basic. <laughs> it's but, funny that we call Sam Adams uh, mainstream and commercial these days, considering I, that's how far it's come. I know, I know. There are so many craft breweries, but sometimes uh, it's nice to drink something that is so easily accessible for our listeners yep. um, and that you're seeing commercials for. I mean, the fact that we have a beer on the podcast that there's a commercial for is pretty unique. <laughs> I'm not drinking the Bud Light Orange, which I thought about. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some in my fridge right now. Uh, but I thought if I drank the Bud Light Orange, you just merc- mercilessly make fun of me. So I didn't say I anything. That. I didn't say anything. I just said, you know, <laughs> they even made Gang Signs commercial. It's uh, just one of my one of my favorite favorite quotes. Um, so now, uh, now we're gonna have to move on over to the spring game. Yeah, I guess just the tail end of the spring in general, and the spring game, and the weekend that was, and the recruiting event that it was. So the last time we recorded, the very next day, I think Virginia Tech had a media availability and all the stuff that we had talked about with French, I was worried was going to be outdated <laughs> as soon as we were done because I hadn't even like posted the podcast yet. And there's like all this, these new nuggets coming out and I was pissed. But the cool thing was some of it we had kind of eerily anticipated like the Silas Zansi move to left tackle and Nijman over to right tackle. We had discussed with French and whether it would be good or not. And French had some good insight on that. And also Charlie Wiles came out and confirmed that Vinny Mahota would be moving to defensive tackle. And uh, Hewitt had made strides and that Gaines has probably been the most consistent of any of the defensive linemen. And that was okay, too, because we didn't really talk about the defensive line on last last uh, podcast. So they kind of filled some gaps for us there. And of the other notes leading up to the spring game, I just thought that Shabazz's comments about the tight end room and how that has been coming along and getting to look more the way they want, I think is how we put it, uh, was interesting as well. The actual spring game itself, they had beautiful weather for, which I think is always a huge bonus. Yeah, I mean, you've got to, you know, the coverage was good when we pitched the first thing as the weather on the spring game. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> when you can't watch it on TV, and uh, somebody uh, decided to uh, record it for us and and uh, provide access, which was very kind, um, and of no fault of their own, it was like watching it from a blimp even though there was like, you know, cloud cover over top of the blimp, but it was still better than anything else I got. So uh, I watched that. 
no, in all seriousness, I was glad for a few reasons um, and not to hit just on the soft stuff. The weather was nice. A lot of fans showed up. A lot of players, former players showed up. Um, Tyrod was there. Vic was there, you know, single-handedly recruiting um, one of our biggest potential recruits um, in a while. Um, So I think there was, you know, a lot of positives that came out of it despite my mocking tone and my... uh, my attitude when it was going into it just out of jealousy of not being able to see it. But luckily we had people that tried to help us out. Yeah. So do you know who won Robbie? Did- <laughs> um, uh, I, I want to say it was probably the maroon team. <laughs> the offense won 28 to 26. And that was actually coming back from a 17 to nothing deficit that the defense had gained a big lead on them. And the defense was actually up 14, nothing at the half and got to 17 and the offense came all the way back put up 28 points, four touchdowns and beat the defense by two. So that, I thought that was kind of cool. And, uh, although I think people were belly aching about how little offense there was in the first half, uh, and it ended up being a fun day for everyone that came to see see some big plays and whatnot. Well, that's probably because Josh Jackson's not going to be the starter, so that's <laughs> that's most likely. The- <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we should give our takeaways. I have all the stat lines here, but we're going to kind of cover them. First of all, that was a joke. Through. That was a joke. All right, before anybody turns off the <laughs> no, podcast. No, but that's my number one takeaway is that oh, Ryan Willis looked better than Josh Jackson, if only for a day. If he only did. for a day. Yes, the Spartans were very well at uh, you know, during that battle of uh, battle of Thermopylae, uh, but it didn't last that long. The Persians ended up winning that one. Guess what? <laughs> Look at you! So that history uh, lesson. Yeah, I, but Willis was ten for fifteen, two hundred and sixty-two yards and two touchdowns. And we're joking around, but he did have a nice day. And Jackson, on the other hand, only had sixty-four yards, was responsible for most of that first half ineptitude. Uh, and whereas Willis led three of the four scoring drives. So he had a nice day. And on Twitter or in an article, there was some version of, wow, Willis can really sling it. <laughs> um, I, I will respond to yours, your, your statements, um, not in jest, but being uh, serious. Yes, I think there was a little bit of concern, and there always has been a little bit of concern about Josh Jackson and his downfield accuracy um, on deep balls, his hesitancy at times and taking sacks. Um, that's also remind everybody uh, part of being uh, Fuente's offense because Fuente hates more than anything you doing something stupid with the ball. That's the easiest way to find your way on the bench, especially during a spring game. But regardless, uh, Ryan Willis, I thought he had you know a great day from everything. The little clips that I saw, he seemed to have a good deep ball. He did make equally as many mistakes. They just didn't happen to be costly mistakes. And Savoy, I think, one took one of those off the shoulder pad that ended up being an interception from Jackson. So, yep let's um let's pump the wheels and then I'll just um you know just talk about Hen and Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh Hooker did not get very many snaps. I think what he had four throws and one completion which was the final throw of the game. Yeah, and I think he got he got four and it just and I say that in jest, but the point being is it's a spring game and you know there's a there's a lot to come. I think that 
you're seeing what we'd expect. Jo- Josh Jackson is a clear number one, unless Willis does out- outrageous things. Willis actually looks like a solid number two, and then Hooker has a lot to learn um, in in running an offense. And that's a good place to be, right? I, that's, it is. That's, it that's is. really solid. Well, I, I, nobody should be out there clamoring, hoping that Josh Jackson would fall to like the number two or number three quarterback. Because if you want to know what that actually means, that means that our QB play is going to be struggling this upcoming year. Like anybody that's out there rooting for Josh Jackson not to be good or not be the starter, hey, here's a heads up. It doesn't mean that anybody beat him out. Most likely, it means that things have kind of fallen off. So we're all should be on the same page here. Yeah, th- that's the thing you need to remember about Willis. You can look at his Kansas highlights, and they're good. They're they're fun to watch. He's got great arm talent. But those highlights don't show the 17 interceptions he threw when he was at Kansas to 12 TDs. They don't show the picks he's thrown in practice. Uh, and he got to go up against largely number twos and walk-ons, whereas Josh is going up against primarily the number ones of the defense. So these things all factor in. It's still Jackson's job, but I will say Fuente's comments after the game were a bit of a kick in the ass to Josh. Uh, There's, quote-unquote, room for him to be pushed. He needs to fall in love with the process. Uh, There's another level of preparation he can reach. Uh, So that might have been more alarming than the uh, play. I mean, alarming isn't the right word, but I think you know what I mean. The, Fuente's trying to push him. That's no, what he's trying he's to the, do. And I thought the comments were perfect. Everybody came out and said the comments were this and that. No, you don't get to rest on your laurels. No, you don't get to just walk back into the starting job. And Fuente has said that since, since the beginning. And I thought his comments were more aligned with his attitude of how he treats quarterbacks than anything I've I've heard come out of his mouth, which is, yeah, you need to. There is. This is not. You don't just get to walk back into another starter role at Virginia Tech. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to win ACC championships here. We're not trying to just make it or just get there or, like last year, not make it there. So, um, you know, I thought his comments were were solid in letting his QB know that that's not good enough. There's more for you to achieve. There's You can be better. I've worked with two first-round draft picks. I know what it takes to be a first-round draft pick if you want to get there. I've also seen what happens to go undrafted. If you want to be drawn, you want to be pointed about this conversation, I've also seen what happens if you don't get picked in the first seven rounds, right? So, no, I, I don't think his comments were out of line. I don't think they were that... Po- I thought they were perfect in the sense of he can... You, you, you have to be a student of the game. And if you don't want to be a, a student of the game, you're going to fall short of your aspirations, period. And that's it. No, I, I think it was a great opportunity to do something like that publicly. And if it, if it results in Josh being better prepared, getting in his playbook more, whatever Fuente was trying to accomplish, then that's great. It was nice to see Bud and Ricky Walker both indicate that Jackson had a great spring. Uh, Ricky, you know, said he didn't throw his first interception until like the second to last practice. And like you said, the interception in the game wasn't really his fault. Uh, And then um, Bud, I mean, he had a lot of nice things to say about Josh in the spring that he's had and how he feels like he's improved. So 
those are things you you can't take it all from the spring game, but the spring game is on a bigger stage. Uh, the fans are there and it's covered more because they won't let us cover the other things. So it, it's just interesting that, you know, Willis had a nice day. And if anything, it just means we're in a better position because if Josh were to go down with an injury, Fuente would actually feel comfortable in having the backup QB throw the ball. <laughs> so uh, at least we have that. Yeah. And what it's a little good, second? good cop, bad cop, I think, happening there with the defense and the offense, which I actually kind of appreciate as well. Bud coming out and saying those things. <laughs> That's things. interesting. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a, a nice take on it as well. But sorry, I cut you off. What's up? No, I was just going to see what your other takeaway was or did, your second takeaway from the game. Um, I think my, my, well, it's tough because we didn't get to watch that much. But at, um, on the, I feel better about, and not, I think it's it, I mixed together the spring game and then just kind of the news and notes. I feel better about the defensive line now. I think uh, after some of the moves, what we've seen, um, I think that's probably my second takeaway, which was uh, honestly a, a a real fear of going into this season. And that's not to say that it couldn't go a bad direction moving forward. Uh, would be my second, and my third would be. Uh, I'm really interested to see what happens at wide receiver. There is because of uh, almost equally the people that we didn't see uh, at, at the spring game: Kuma, Murphy, Carroll. These are like people that got a lot I of know. receptions. Uh, and then you have Savoy, Patterson, and Grimsley out there. You could see which. Flashback, go listen to the podcast, listen to Fuente's comments two years ago, what he wanted. He wanted eight to 10 players that he could put on the field. He's approaching that number. He's probably at eight eight wide receivers that he could comfortably put at different, granted, slot versus X versus Y. And they're young and they're yep. still developing. But, but he I, has I know eight what you're people saying. that he could put out there. I like the trio of Patterson, Grimsley, and Savoy. I, I do think Patterson would have had much more of an impact last year if it wasn't for the injuries he had five catches in the spring game 86 yards and a touchdown Savoy only had the one catch but it was for an 83 yard touchdown and Grimsley had four catches in the spring game and so all those guys had pretty decent production considering it's a running clock and all the other things that went into it multiple quarterbacks I thought uh, with regard to your D-line comment I, I would agree with you I, I my concerns are a little bit tempered Belmar, who's the third defensive end behind Gaines and Hill, uh, he looks like he's the clear number three. And then DeBose and the defensive tackle, Xavier Burke, all had sacks in the game. Uh, now they're touch sacks, but hey, they made a play. And the Belmar one in particularly, he like bowled over a guy and then made a safety sack. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I do think we'll get a good production from the defensive ends next year and Hill and Gaines. And the fact that Gaines is looking the way he's looked, according to Charlie Wiles, that excites me. I think we will have better pass rush on the outside than we did last year. We could struggle a little bit more against the run with Mahota moving inside and no settle, but I I think we're going to have a better pass rush than we did last year, at least from the outside. It's a question of refining DeBose, uh, who else? Taiwan Garbit and Proctor, I think, yeah. is also on the outside. Yeah, that and uh, I think... 
you know, it, it what can also be hand in glove in that respect a lot of times is what's going to be a linebacker. I mean, <laughs> that and if you're sealing the edge or not sealing the edge, can if you're you're bringing it inside, that um, that's gonna that, that is could be the most fun or the scariest part of next season. Which I, I'm I'm enjoying the development and kind of hearing little tidbits here and there, but. That is they seem com- pleased with Ashby in the way he's played. Uh, yeah. Not as much talk about Rivers, but I don't think that's for any particular reason. I just think Ashby's the quarterback of the defense in some ways, being the middle linebacker, and I think they're very pleased with the progress that he's made. I feel like this is the first... Linebacker's always been kind of a fun position for Virginia Tech, and I feel like this is the first season where we're going in being like, oh no, what's... like? It could end up being really, really yeah. good. It could be completely terrible but this is kind of a fun season to see what and going to end up and being put on field and i think it's more fun in our heads because we know it's going to be okay i think these guys are too good for it to be a complete disaster i think i think both of ashby and rivers uh, from the two main linebacker spots are going to tackle surely like tackling machines is what both of them are so i think at the very least you have that like if a guy can just straight up tackle and find the football, you're going to be okay. But if you play middle linebacker, is probably the most criticized spot in Virginia Tech's defensive. Like, like, like of all defense, middle linebacker, and go back all the way to Jack. It goes way, way back that people have always thought of that as key to production, and that makes it exciting for me. I'm not like mm-hmm. scared about it. I'm just excited to see what they put on the field, and that that also ties into what the defensive line is doing and what what how we're playing so it's gonna be fun i would say that corner is still a big concern after this game they said waller had several good plays he was also on the receiving end of that savoy touchdown but i think waller is is gonna have a lot of playing time this upcoming year the incoming freshman who's an early enrollee and then bryce watts seems like the other guy that's clearly gonna play a lot as for rogers and quillen who knows Adonis, who knows? I mean, he didn't play in the spring game. Adonis is at a fork in the road, I feel like. And we don't know what's going to end up happening with him. Will he ever play at Virginia Tech again? I'd like to think so. But if he didn't, it also wouldn't surprise me. And I don't have any inside information. I'm just saying, I don't know what to... He's a guy that has a penchant for getting suspended. So I don't know what's going to happen with Adonis next year. Yeah, I'm, I have no clue. I... I I, you know, I have no clue. Uh, I, my guess <laughs> is that my say. guess is that he's out. That's my guess is you know knowing that he's been in trouble before, knowing that he's in trouble again. There's been other people that have gotten their daddy Nicholas. Remember stealing the bike incident? Daddy Nicholas, from all accounts, and I don't care about hearsay of what he did on campus and stuff. I'm talking about from the athletic program was clean slate after that whole stupid incident. There's players that get their nose clean, and then there's players that there's coach speak about them, which just happened with Fuente. It literally just happened, and usually that means that they just didn't turn the corner on it. So, You're not getting the message. Right, yeah. and if you don't get the message, that's fine. Then just don't get the message. Just uh, I, We don't need to be paying your tuition while you don't get the message. Just get off the team, let the team kind of move forward, and you're causing trouble or not causing trouble if you're just not you know productive and and moving forward off of what was 
actually documented as a problem in the past that you got in trouble for, you should be clean nosed after that. Uh, if you're not, then okay, we'll move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he plays. I hope he comes back to the team, embraces it and, and is just the, the starting corner that we need, but I, I'm not going to expect it. Jeremy Webb, the Juco guy comes in for a summer session. That should also help the ranks because uh, corner is a little bit of a mess right now. So yeah. I, I hope that Watts and Waller can continue to step up. Maybe Rogers and Quillen do that, and the Web Edition will be welcome. Let's just say that. What? Um, and this is a question for you that I'll put out. What? Where did Hunter? Did he even? Was he playing? Well, I'm using him. He's the nickel. So I'm talking about the no, guys no, on no. The what outside. I'm saying was the well, Hunter moved. So like what I'm yeah. saying is that's also influencing everything. Like the secondary, the linebacker, everything's moving around. Like there's mm-hmm. not really any solid positions that we have in there. And that's another one. I didn't hear anything about did he even play in the spring game or even get out on the field. I don't know if he did. No, um, I, which I, I think was, I think Hunter played. Yeah, okay. I don't know if he made any like how many tackles or whatever he made, but uh, there was a lot of good stuff coming out about him before the spring game. And I'm pretty sure that he played maybe I'm looking at the stats right now. I don't see him on the sheet, but I'm not sure how complete this thing is. It was nice to see Alan Tisdale made five tackles in the game. <laughs> Incoming, I mean, yeah. hey, that's, that's pretty all, good for an early enrollee. He was, he was, and plus people were excited about him coming in. Absolutely. Clear Ladler also had five tackles and a sack, or an interception, I should say. And Dylan Rivers had five tackles. Uh, McLeese had the, the long touchdown, four carries for 49 yards. And my last comment, I need to ask you this. Are we being too, or have we been too dismissive of Coleman Fox? All right, so we're probably going to get in trouble for this. and But we guess what? We're allowed to do this because everybody else has sponsorships and stuff. So um, from this point forward, uh, Coleman Fox is known as Coleman Fox, uh, just so everybody knows. This has been blessed by many people out there that are um, in the media organizations of uh, Virginia Tech, that none of which will be named, but his name is Coleman Fox now. Um, and it <laughs> I mean, be- ten carries, forty yards, Coleman Fox. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how it goes. He may not appreciate but, well, it, but guess what? Uh, if anybody wants to pull our sponsorships, we don't have any. So uh, good luck with that. We're self-produced. I mean, if anyone out there is a fan of Silicon Valley. Yeah. You know the phrase, uh, yes. this guy fucks. Yes. And so that's kind of what it spawns from, but it's just an F-U-X. Yeah. So it's instead of the O, it's the U. It, it makes too much sense. He's got a great name. Coleman Fox is an amazing name. What's more amazing is Coleman Fox. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and actually, yes, it, it's pretty amazing. Actually, I'm going to have to do a pre-record on this because we did get some people that were angry that they people listen to our podcast with their kids, like in their vans, so... I'll we're gonna we're gonna put in like on. a we're gonna put in like a two second hey here's your chance to turn it off uh like before this whole segment but it's extremely important because it's one of my favorite things that's happened in the last two years of Virginia Tech football is the name and he's gonna have sign I'm getting a jersey that says you know it's gonna have <laughs> that on the back so you probably won't but I do like the idea yeah and well, uh but in all seriousness. He makes the most of every carry, whether it's in garbage time at the end of the Clemson game or in the spring games the last two years in a row. I think he's had a touchdown on both, probably the only guy to do that. 
So I he's got something. There's something about him that he gets on the field and he makes a guy miss or he breaks a tackle or whatever. And I have to give him credit at this point. We we have been dismissive of him because he seems like a backup guy. He was like a two-star recruit. He's from Salem. It's not a football factory or anything, but he fucks. Yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> and listen, there was another guy named Sam Rogers that uh, you know most people overlooked. And we're getting on the Coleman Fox train immediately. And uh, first of all, this started at the beginning. If anybody wants to the beginning of last season, once he started getting carries and people were joking and Coleman, if you ever listen to this, you can feel free to beat the shit out of me or whatever. But we were like, dude, this kid Fox. And that's, that was the commentary for all of last season. And over that time period, he has gotten better and better. He's actually like, it's like being watched. It's watching our, like our own joke, just like, turn into like this beautiful thing which ends up being a great running back Coleman runs Coleman jumps Coleman fucks <laughs> <laughs> we can we can work on the uh, slogan but anyway <laughs> I think that <laughs> might cover all the things uh t-shirt idea guess what we can't let <laughs> we can't let anybody else or any other websites know about this, but we just came up with our first t-shirt idea. That would be pretty good. Uh, let's just do quick recruiting notes uh, after a beer break. I'll talk about what I'm drinking first. I didn't go as mainstream this time. I'm drinking the 2SP Up and Out IPA. 2SP is Two Stones Pub, I think is what that stands for. And they're out of Aston, Pennsylvania. 2SP is everywhere around here. This is a 6% alcohol hazy IPA. I had this for the first time the other day, and it's a perfect IPA. It's a perfect, perfect springtime IPA. I couldn't emphasize that more. It is absolutely up my alley. Just a little bit of haze. That 6% is right in the sweet spot. Some sweetness to it. I love it. 2SP up and out. If you see it in stores, get yourself a six-pack. What are you drinking? Uh, I've decided to mess with everybody. So now it's, it's getting warmer. It's uh, 80 degrees today in Virginia. So I decided to go to the Imperial Chocolate Stout. So when it's 20 degrees the middle of winter and snow, I drink like a double IPA. But when it's uh, warm outside, I drink a nice chocolate stout. It's, uh, <laughs> it's called the Marvolo... Uh, it's Commonwealth Brewing Company. I've had them on here a few times. The Big Poppy is their big double IPA. Uh, they're out of Virginia Beach. It's a 16-ounce can, 8.7%. This thing's delicious. Uh, if you haven't uh, tried Commonwealth Brewing, they are really good. They came on quickly like last year, just started like pumping out um, some good IPAs, some good beers. I don't know any of them, and um, hopefully, um, you know, one day they'll send me a free beer or something like that. But I actually do love their beer. Everything that they've put out, I haven't tried. They have a couple sours coming out now. It's a new uh, brewery that I wasn't ever familiar with, and um, this one's equally as good. I would say it's kind of a as normal uh, imperial chocolate stout. Like if you thought about what that was going to taste like in terms of not being too. Um, too alcoholic, 
not having too much kind of uh, sweetness to it, just kind of right down the middle. Um, this is this is where I'd put it. It's delicious. It sounds good. My uh, my buddy Phil, who I've mentioned on the podcast before, hit up Aslan for me recently, and it's bringing me some of the How Now Brown Cow. Oh, that's which a good I don't. Yeah, yeah, I haven't had it, so I'm excited. But it, what you were describing there just made me think of it. Let's do a quick recruiting uh, update, I suppose. This happened right before the spring game. Four-star offensive lineman Brian Hudson out of Kentucky committed to Virginia Tech. This was a huge commitment for Vance Vice in the offensive line. He had 19 Power 5 offers. I don't think almost anyone that we have gotten in the last few years, besides maybe Kendall Fuller, had 19 Power 5 offers. Huge commit. Had offers from Bama, Ohio State. And on and on the list went. Notre Dame, and, which just actually put, I think, uh, two offensive linemen in the first round, or first 10 yeah. picks. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. Hudson, huge commitment. And that was on top of guard Jesse Hansen committing back in February. And we've already seen some of the dividends from Silas Zansi's recruitment. So the offensive line, it, it's going in a great direction. It's really exciting to see this because I think this year's line – could be very, very good. And there's a lot of bodies in the program now that are starting to all have a similar, as French was talking about, like they're athletic, they're long, they can play multiple positions, they have different skill sets. It's very exciting time because once you build that, then maybe a guy like Devin Ford wants to get in the program. Yeah, I, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. While that's not always been a main focus for Virginia Tech, we've always... Yeah, we've always looked at the running back, never really at the offensive line, even though those are kind of run in tandem a lot of times. Um, It's going to be important, and I think this time we might be leading with what can oftentimes be even the the better part of those two situations. Which, if you have the offensive line, the running backs will come, right? Like if if they have the if they have the good blocking, and if they have a, a, a offensive line that they can feel confident that they can get chunk yards up against. Uh, or behind, I should say, that a lot of times can bring in talent. And like you've mentioned, um, if we if we can pull in that five star talent and behind them, that would be huge. We also got a commitment from four star Nyquee Hawkins out of New Jersey. He's listed as a safety, and his offer list was also extremely impressive. Ole Miss, Penn State, Michigan, Duke, NC State, Wisconsin, UVA. Uh, but he had a long, long offer list and he, he's a four star, I think on rivals and a high three on the two, four, seven composite. So another nice commitment. I think that one might've come in either the night before the spring game or the day after or something. There were a lot of recruits on campus for the game, none bigger than Devin Ford himself. And Michael Vick was there who had a hand in his recruitment earlier and then after the spring game, tweeted out the pictures of Devin Ford in the new uniform saying, this is why I'm going to be a 2020 Virginia Tech season ticket holder. Like, I'm paraphrasing, like big time talent. I can't remember exactly what he said. But it was, he tweeted out pictures of Devin Ford and was, this is why I'm going to be a season ticket holder. So maybe a little presumptuous on Mike Vick's part, but I like the effort that was put forth into that recruiting move. Yeah, that was a nice move. And then pulling Hawkins, that, uh, I, well, Hawkins out of New, I, I like the pull out of New Jersey though. That, that, that is, uh, that's a, listen, Rutgers can't get all that talent. Like uh, we can't, 
There are talented football players in New Jersey. You're absolutely right. I'm not right. making fun of, of New Jersey talent. What I'm saying is, like, you know, Rutgers has been struggling, pulling good talent out of that. There, New Jersey has a lot of good talent. They have some good offensive linemen coming out of there. They have, they actually have some good wide receivers that come out of New Jersey. There's good talent that comes out of there, and to see us kind of go in and, and pluck out of there is is a great sign. Four-star cornerback Tank Land, uh, better known as, that's his nickname. Tavion Land is his actual name. He said that his announcement for where he'll be playing football is on May 10th. He at one point was committed to Virginia Tech, if you'll remember, back when he was like a freshman, I want to say. And he could be one of two Tavions we land in this class because there's another Tavion Robinson who is big on Tech as well. But Tank Land would be a really nice pickup. Uh, Four-star corners, we don't get them every day. And since we already had his commitment at one point, uh, definitely seems like a possibility. I think Maryland's in the mix, among others. So we'll have to see what happens there. But a lot of recruiting is going to happen. May, June, July, those are always big recruiting months. We'll see what uh, what Fuente and the boys come up with. Well, Devin's supposed to he's supposed to commit May his initial yeah coming up in two like two weeks. Yeah, so land on the tenth, Ford on the eighteenth, and uh, and we'll see. It. Galen Scott, in terms of the recruiting, I'm not sure that will hinder us too much. People have kind of been knocking his recruiting since he resigned. I don't think he's been responsible for any like high, high end recruits. I'm hoping it doesn't affect us too much. Um, that's just an aside, but there's a lot of guys in play in the next couple months. So I'm hoping that, uh, that we're on our P's and Q's and the coaches are, are doing their thing, which I'm sure they are. It's been a good year for yeah. recruiting. The 19 really has class been. has a, um, I, I think it has a higher floor than what we've seen in the past, if that makes sense. Uh, the the mm-hmm. ceiling, I don't like to project on because it could. It, that just depends on a lot of 18-year-old kids deciding on you know which hat they're going to pick up, right? But the floor of what we have going into 19, I think, is the highest that we've had in a while of what we what we think we can pull in, which is exciting. I think that gives people you know gets everybody off the you know the bridge where they're about to jump off and it's like hey we are we're, we're gonna pull in a good class um and if it may not be the best class ever but it's gonna be decent as opposed to we're waiting for, for swing flag factors to make it you know good i would fully agree with that for sure i guess my last uh statement before we close out for the night is just that it became clear as the spring was wearing on that these coaches are hedging their bets a little bit in terms of the expectations for the team because they kept harping on how young it is and how much work they have to do. And that's a little discouraging as a fan to hear just because you want the team to be good. You want to win eight, nine, ten games again the following season. But Fuente kept saying it. Bud kept saying it. Like, we're so young. I don't think I've ever been in a position where I've, you know, there more work needs to be done. I think Fuente said that at the end of spring. So I think that needs to be taken into account when we are doing our record predictions here, uh, maybe in a month or two. Yeah. We didn't preview this before, but uh, I'll preview that it's year three of Fuente. So you get uh, paid a lot of money 
and <laughs> you're going to have to figure out your shit. How about that? Again, I, I, I think we all know we're due for a, a little bit more of a frustrating year maybe than the last two, but I don't know. We had our issues last year too of new quarterback. At least the quarterback's the same coming back this year. Yeah. I mean, I feel better. Yeah. Well, this we'll leave it for another podcast. I mm-hmm. think that's probably the best way. Um, I'm cool with him totally tempering expectation this year. As long as it's just this year, you don't just get to do it every year. Because he did it last year. He did it. The, mm-hmm. the same, uh, you've, I can go grab sound bites from last year, a lot of them, and the year before when it was like, we're young, we're inexperienced, we're young, we're inexperienced, we're young, inexperienced. And I would relate it a lot to Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams stopped saying that we're young and inexperienced. He finally just said we didn't like play that well, right? Like he was just like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't play that well. If like at a certain point you got to turn the code, like turn the corner in terms of maturity and you got to say, Hey, we didn't play that well. Like, you know, as a team, that's, that's, and that's probably next year. This is probably the in-between year. Yeah. I think we're due for one more year of development. I'm not saying that we couldn't win 10 games next year. I think everyone knows that will be a, a difficult task. So as everyone on the offense gets more seasoned, uh, I think this spring was a nice step forward. I think a lot of good things happened this spring. I think I'm less concerned than I was when we talked to French even. I, I feel better about it even two weeks later. But it doesn't mean we're going to win 10 games next year. I think uh, we'll, we'll talk about our record predictions next time. But it was a good spring. I, I wish we could have seen more. I wish we could have watched more. I wish we could have made it to the game. Maybe next year we'll go to the game. We say that every year. we got to go to the game one year and go to the spring game. Well, but, we'll be televised next year because we all just ripped on the, the hooking <laughs> yeah, program. I, know, right? I, I sent out as many tweets as I possibly could. So well, hopefully it'll be televised. Uh, plus, we'll have the ACC Network next next year. Yeah, that's coming in soon too. Anyway, all right. Well, <laughs> everyone, thanks for listening. We kind of we rambled on. Uh, there was some some NSFW that went on here for a minute or two, but for the most part, we were just trying to recap what was a busy couple weeks uh, with regard to Virginia Tech athletics. So, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast. Write us a review if you can. 2dvt.com is the website and 2dvt at gmail.com if you want to send us anything uh, that's not on Twitter because we're on Twitter at 2dvt. All right, until next time when we are, I guess, previewing next season's opponents and we'll probably do record predictions in the whole nine yards. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.